like Shannon, I say welcome. Welcome to this time of worship. Lord God, open our hearts, shine your light, let us hear your word. And God, I thank you for the words and the ideas that you put in my heart this evening. And I pray that whatever I say it gives glory to you and is from you. And whatever is not, that will be passed by and quickly forgotten. Pray for this people who are listening tonight, that your word will touch them and move you to further service in your name and to love one another. Thank you. In Jesus' name, who we honor tonight. Amen. The scripture is from John chapter 13, the first 17 verses. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he had said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. At, at the Passover meal, four questions are asked. And they're all related to the primary question, why is this night different from all others? Passover began last evening. And tonight we gather to worship together on a night that is different than all others. And the question is obvious this year as we shelter in place with a handful of us here in the sanctuary and many of you out there in front of TV and computer screens. But we really are all together. We're here together tonight because the coronavirus 
cannot change the rhythms of our faith. To the contrary, the coronavirus underscores our need to be together, to be close with God, to call on his grace and mercy, and to reflect on the importance of loving and serving one another as Jesus commands. This is Monday, Thursday, the commemoration of his last meal, a Passover meal enjoyed with his disciples, a night when he demonstrates his love and calls us to do the same. When I was growing up in San Francisco, I was an altar boy, St. Monica's Church out in the Richmond District, and I remember being part of the Holy Thursday liturgy. It was a big deal for a 12 or 13-year-old, and although a participant, I didn't grasp the depth and meaning of what we were doing. But now, as I read the scripture accounts of this night, Jesus' last meal with his disciples, his teachings, the interchange among the disciples, the anguished time in the garden, and the moment of betrayal and arrest, I understand his message in deed as well as word so much differently than I did as a 12-year-old. I knew that Jesus died for me, but beyond the directive basically to be good and to avoid the near occasion of sin, I didn't understand what Jesus really wanted from me. And I'm still learning, to, learning what that is. And I'm sure that's the way it is for all of us who have chosen to follow him. But on this night, Jesus makes it very clear what he wants from us. He washed feet. John says that he did this as a humble act, knowing that he had power over all things, that he was from God and would return to God. No one else has ever had that kind of power. No one has come close. I'm always moved by a photo of President Lyndon Johnson in anguish, in the Oval Office, listening to a tape from his son-in-law in Vietnam, anguishing because the most powerful man in the most powerful country did not have the power to stop that war. President Trump, Governors Newsom, Cuomo, have authority to direct efforts and resources, but none of them have the power to end the coronavirus. Jesus had that kind of power. But he set it aside and took on the role of the lowest servant to wash the feet of his disciples. It was not a show. It was a genuine expression of love, and it points to his sacrificial ordeal and death that was about to come. It's also a very powerful way to teach them and us how we are to live as his followers. And foot washing is not a part of Western society's social ritual. So the initial impact on us is not as jarring as it would have been to the disciples. But if we understand it as being the opposite of what powerful people are supposed to do, it has the same impact, especially when we dwell on Jesus' words. He doesn't leave things at the act of washing the feet, as powerful as that was. But he gives an explanation and a directive and ultimately a command, the mandate of Monday, Thursday. He asks them, do you understand what I have done for you? The answer is not, you washed our feet. Jesus knew his power and his position. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right to do so, he says. 
That's reality. That's who he was. Knowing this reality leads us to understand what the act signifies. Note that Jesus says that he has done this for them and not to them. It's an act of service that benefits the disciples. The master serving his pupils. The Lord serving those who follow him. And he gives them a directive. Because he has done this for them, they must do so for each other, following Jesus' example. It's a mark of their unity, their equality in Christ, their source of blessing. And I wonder, as John wrote these words, I try to imagine what went through his mind. Just days before, he had come with his brother and, his, and their mother to seek a place of honor in Jesus' kingdom. And Luke tells us that at this meal itself, that debate was still going on. Who is the greatest? And now John was experiencing Jesus' act of humility, the one who truly was the greatest, becoming the lowest. He was being told that this is how he too should live and serve his fellow disciples. I think a lot of things were made clear that night. A lot of questions were answered, and new questions were, were set to ponder. So because Jesus, the Lord and teacher, humbled himself, not just in this act of foot washing, but in the death he would endure the next day, we are told that we should follow his example and do the same. And in doing so, we will be blessed. Jesus understood who he was and acted from that reality. We cannot deny our own realities. Like Jesus, each one of us is who we are. And also like Jesus, we cannot deny what we are called to be and to do. Regardless of our position in the world, the church, the classroom, or the workplace, we are called to humbly serve one another. My own personal reality is that I've spent most of my entire life in leadership positions. Early on as a young army officer, I learned that if I lacked respect for those I led, I was going to fail. They would not respect me if I didn't respect them. As I grew in my faith journey, I learned that more was required than just a respectful attitude. I was to serve those whom I was called to lead, to sacrifice a part of myself to support them. And as that walk continues, I understand that my call is to serve beyond my tight little world, to serve here at First Pres, but to go beyond that into the community and the world for justice and housing. It is there that I've experienced the paragon of a humble servant leader, Jimmy Carter, always the model I try to follow because he follows Jesus' model so well. But back to Jesus in the room at supper. After predicting his, his own betrayal and Peter's denial, Jesus then gives a command, a new command, he says, but it's actually an old command from the Hebrew Scriptures, but it's given new meaning and new depth by Jesus, his own words and his actions. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. And I know that some Christians believe that this mandate is confined to how we serve each other in the church. 
But I believe that Jesus is calling us to not limit our love and not limit our service to our fellow believers. Jesus' love went beyond his followers to embrace all people he encountered, even those who would be responsible for his death. We are mandated to love all people and serve the wider community. We must, to emphasize Jesus' word, live in loving service to each other and demonstrate that to the world. For if we don't, the world beyond our walls will never witness the love of Christ and be drawn to him through us. And I like to find examples of this love and service demonstrated in our community. It brings an immediacy to this message. It brings local examples of this message. And Ed Barberini, our new San Mateo police chief, is a follower of Jesus. And like me, he's an alumnus at St. Ignatius Prep in the city. My wife Sharon says that we're everywhere. But I read an article about him in our alumni magazine this week, and he's described as powerful, tall, and imposing, and a description backed up by his photo. He's one tough cop. But the writer shares that after being with him, you learn how compassionate he is. And he speaks of how his faith and his Jesuit values impact his police work. And he says, I try to be compassionate toward criminals as well as victims. We must have that approach as we interact with everyone. And then after describing the reality of police work and the situations they face, he says, we're not here to judge people, but to serve. He talks about the stresses on his officers and how he works to give them the tools to cope. And speaking of his faith, he talks about our common value system to be men and women for and with each other. And I see that clearly as an expression of the servant love that Jesus mandates. And I really hope that this article will spread throughout our community as witness to that. So, why is this night different than all others? After three years of teaching and preparing his disciples, Jesus' message of love is profoundly demonstrated in his act of foot washing. The Son of God taking on the role of a servant. The act of humility and love completed by his death on the cross. The place where he was going. The place where the disciples could not go. The act of salvation that we're not capable of doing on our own. All because he loves us. All because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And calling for a response from us, his command is profound in its simplicity. Because I have loved you, you must love one another. That is the mandate of this night. What it is that makes this night different from any other. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this example. We stand with you this evening. We look to your example. We look to your word. And we ask you to show us ways in which we can serve each other and serve our community in a way that people will know who we are, people who belong to you. We ask that you demonstrate your power, to bring your power to bear, to lift this virus from us and the disease that we are dealing with and all of the implications it has on our lives. 
We put this in your hand, and we know your will will be done. And when it is done, it will give glory to your Father. We thank you for that. And we give you praise and all thanksgiving on this night, the night before you died, for our salvation. Thank you. Amen.